Deadpool. Suit up for the R-rated film that you had to be 17 to see, but 16 to fully appreciate. Likely prompting a new wave of R-rated superhero films. So, when Aquaman starts throwing out sperm whale jokes, you know who to thank. Holy crap. Deadpool? No, it's Rhythm Nation era Janet Jackson. Yeah, I'm motherfucking Deadpool. Wow, you're showing up in your own honest trailer? That is so meta. Well, it's kind of my thing. Shall we? Let's do this. Welcome to We Talk Funny. I'm your host, Ken Pringle. And my guest today, you've probably heard him on video games and television shows and in movies like Transformers Bumblebee, where he's the voice of the villainous Soundwave. But if you've ever been on YouTube, you probably know him best as the voice of Honest Trailers. It's John Bailey. Now, John is as big a geek as I am, so I'm sure we're going to nerd out about a lot of stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. This morning, I'm eating a healthier cereal because my wife, quote-unquote, loves me. It's actually one of the top 10 selling cereals in the country and has been since it was first created in 1989. It's Honey Bunches of Oats. Now, I do have to admit that for a healthier cereal, it is pretty tasty. But hopefully you're going as sugary and childlike as I would go on any other day when my wife isn't watching me. So sit back, grab that bowl of cereal, and as we always say here on the show, spoons up, let's dig in. Welcome to We Talk Funny. I'm your host, Ken Pringle. And today, my guest, you've heard this gentleman on numerous commercials and video games. He is the voice of both Soundwave and Shockwave in the Transformers movie Bumblebee. And on the other side of the AllSpark, he's the voice of Optimus Prime in Transformers Combiner Wars. But he's probably best known as the voice of the YouTube hit Honest Trailers. It is the epic voice guy himself, John Bailey. Welcome Thank to the podcast, John. Thank you so much for <coughs> Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> you know, yeah, I have to admit, um, I was planning to have you on the podcast anyway, but the reason that I bumped this interview up was I actually had a fan who was like, you know who would love to hear on the podcast? You should go out and get John Bailey. And I'm like, <laughs> I have a fan? <laughs> Apparently you do. And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> I know him. Uh, thank you, fan. I don't know. <laughs> I'd name drop you, but I don't know who you are. <laughs> Uh, so first question I want to ask you, John, uh, because this is what I ask all my guests and I talking to you, I already know the answer. I have to do my good host duty and be like, pretend that I don't know the answer, but I know <laughs> the answer. Were you a Saturday morning cartoons kid, John? What's a, what's a cartoon? <laughs> what's, what's a Saturday? What's a morning? What are those things? Um, yeah, I was, no, I was, I was more of an after school cartoon kid than I was Saturday morning. Saturday mornings was hard. I, I tried to be a Saturday morning cartoon kid, but I had to wait until we were available. Cause we, as a family, we did a lot of stuff early freaking Saturday morning, but before the cartoons even started, like nowadays, oh, really? nowadays it'd be where the good cartoons are played at 5. AM. So that way cartoon network can cancel them eventually, you know? I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was like five or six in the morning. We'd start our day. So by the time I got home, I was literally, it was like, CBS Storytime was the only thing left on. <laughs> so I'd miss all the good stuff. 
So I... <laughs> You're right about the Cartoon Network thing, by the way. You know, I've got a toddler, and when he was a newborn, I would have to uh, trade off shifts with my my wife. And uh, so I would be up from like two in the morning on at some points. Mm-hmm. And so I would watch the, uh, the end of Adult Swim. And then when it switches over to Cartoon Network at about 5 a.m., that is where they put on like some great stuff. Yeah, and I'm Transformers like, animated. Yeah. Like this, the scoop, somewhat the newer Scooby Doo show that was actually good. You know, it's like. <laughs> I was like, why Why is there a crazy they the wanted lose marathon them. at five? It's a great show. Yeah, Who are you showing this to? I don't know why they, they, they had Transformers animated at 6 a.m. My kids were like, why do we have to go up there? And when they invented the DVR, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it, it makes sense that you would be more of an afternoon kid. Not, I mean, not because of your weird family schedule, but just because, you know, in the in the 90s in particular, that, that's when a lot of the, the golden age of animation stuff was actually airing, was on those, those afternoon yeah. blocks. It was the Thundercat and the Silverhawks and and the uh, uh, GI Joe and Mask and Transformers, which is one of my favorites. Like that was the stuff that I'd watched a lot more episodes of. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, Voltron, rather than the Saturday morning cartoons, which is like the Smurfs the- and the more ABC. You know, and until until Disney finally realized, hey, we can put down stuff during the afternoon too. And right. Warner Brothers, you know, so there was like for a while, Warner Brothers was like king. And that was when I really got sucked into to the good stuff. Batman, the Kids Animated WB, man. Yeah. yeah, Superman, Freakazoid, Animaniacs, Pink in the Brain. I mean, they had a, an all-star roster for their stuff. Justice League, absolutely freaking fantastic. Way better than any movie we've gotten so far. That's and, so uh, and then Disney was fighting back with the whole Disney Afternoon, which is like, what, uh, again, some of my favorite cartoons. DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, freaking Gummy Bears, like the Tailspin. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten we Gargoyles if it wasn't going haven't seen the live action. If, if you ever get the chance to watch I, was it uh, I Frankenstein? For Is that what it was called? It's 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 not a great movie, but if you can watch it for free, just watch some of the parts with the gargoyle demon things, and just imagine what we could have had as a live action film. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, if that was Goliath, that would be so freaking cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I got I was still a huge cartoon fan, but I'll be honest, I didn't see a lot of the Saturday morning cartoons until later on when they were in syndication and they came on afternoons. And no, after after school. Yeah, because you I mean you talk about Transformers and and Silverhawks and Thundercats and all that, yeah. and that was that was sort of in that '80s syndication yeah. boom where mm-hmm. they would just they. After 3 a.m., you got got about two hours, so you got about four cool episodes of something. And I remember my brother and I used to fight over who got to watch Transformers because one started at 3 and G.I. Joe started at 3.30. So whoever went to piano practice first had to watch G.I. Joe. And we were constantly, (laughs) and I'm like, no, you went first last time. No, I want to go first. And he was constantly trying to trick me into making me think, like, no, I went first last time, remember? And it was like, well, maybe maybe you did. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when your brother's eight years older than you and he just tricks you all the time. I love that those cartoons were such a big thing in the 80s because they really only existed for two purposes, neither of which was toys. to entertain kids. Yeah, it was well, not one to was sell, to sell One was to sell uh, toys, but the other was to fulfill the FCC regulations uh, of having a certain amount of, pro- of, uh, of product on their channel that would qualify as educational, uh, educational programming so for kids. <laughs> that's, that's why G.I. Joe always ended with knowing his half the <laughs> did, you, did you ever see the Transformers <laughs> PSAs? They did that for a little while. I, I vaguely There's remember like five a or six of them. PSAs that are just like a no, and they even had that knowing is half the battle at the end of them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like they didn't even that, come up with their own thing, and that's that how early, you transform, you know. <laughs> was that early G1 or was that later on? Yeah, it was on, early like, G1. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, these, okay. Apparently, these came on at the either at the end of the cartoon. I'm not sure. I just, there's only like five of them that I could find. But I don't know how I missed that in the 80s. I found that on YouTube later on. It was just so Some odd. of that stuff just pops into your head randomly, like years later. And you're yeah. like, I, did this exist or is it a favorite? I, I, I had that happen this week. I was like, I remember Jason Bateman de- being mm-hmm. in a TGI Friday show. 
You remember the TGIF blocks? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I was like, it was a prank war episode. And I remember the lady that was his played his mom was a, was famous for being a, um, an aerobics instructor or something. But it wasn't Susan Sarandon. That was that mm-hmm. was step by step. But I think her name was I think her name was Sally. But it did start with an S, I think. But it, I finally looked it up and figured out it was called Hogan's Family. I don't know why I remember the title. I remember Hogan's Family. But he played oh the older teenage brother, and then I remember I was like that guy's freaking hilarious. He's going to be big one day. Look how big Jason Bateman is now. <laughs> if I remember, if I remember. Right, and I could be I could be way off base here, but wasn't Hogan's family? It was the uh, it, it was oh gosh, because you the, know the blonde the, the mom, she was like super famous for being exercise fitness, whatever or something like that. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, and it was it was a re it was a retooling of the show. Of her show originally, yeah. well, originally it was a different. Yeah, I think it was the yeah the original show. They just named the show yeah. after her or something. I, I thought that was like the, called the such and such show, and it was like her name. But I just I, I looked it up. It's like your brain makes up parts of memories, and you're like, I don't. I remember ish this, but one particular episode it was the prank. Sandy episode. Duncan. There we Sandy go. Duncan. What, I knew it yep, started with Sandy an S. Duncan. See, that's what happens when you get Sally. What's her face? Or Susan Sarandon. And you get <laughs> Sandy well, if I if I remember correctly, and again, I, I could be totally making this up because you know I I, I don't get enough sleep. I've got a toddler, but uh, originally <laughs> the show was based around uh, Valerie. I'm blanking on her last name, but she left her. the show after like the first season, and Sandy Duncan came in to replace her. Maybe so they that's retooled the show with a new name, but it was still. The I same always thought family. it was called the Sandy Duncan Show for some reason, and I just couldn't I, remember her name. But then I, when maybe I looked I'm, it up online, maybe I'm it was called Hogan Family. I'm like, that's got to be the right one because yeah. I looked up his IMDb specifically, unless he just erased it from. History like it never happened. But I remember him him coming in looking like Lex Luthor, like bald, like completely bald. And I was like, that looks freaking real. And she was like, there was a prank between there's like, I didn't want you to shave your head. And she he pulls it off because it was it's a latex prosthetic. And I was like, I just remember Jason Bateman being extremely funny. But it's just so weird how your brain like remembers these things, but just a little piece of it. And it sticks with you that long, like 20, 30 years where you're like, what was the name of that thing? You remember that thing with that guy? And he's famous now. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I, I, thankfully, uh, I, I have the Internet. And, yeah, there you and go. God bless the Internet for weird geek info. It was Valerie <laughs> Harper. Valerie Harper there left the hey, series you. and her role was filled by Sandy Duncan as the aunt instead. I can't believe you And that's what became that Hogan Family. I couldn't I'm, remember Susan's I'm, name. I just knew it started with an S and it wasn't Sa- uh, Su- uh, Su- uh, Sally. I, I remember so much random tri- t- uh, TV trivia that I'm beginning <laughs> to suspect that I had like n- like bad parents. I don't think that I actually was raised <laughs> by human beings. Maybe point. you were just, there were just robots just kind of randomly <laughs> leaving food for you around like power-ups. There's just a turkey yeah, no, leg I, floating above the trash can. <laughs> turkey meal. I, I have the same thing where like random stuff will pop up. I had the same thing happen this week. And man, I'm hoping somebody out there remembers this because it's driving me crazy. I seem to remember before Star Trek The Next Generation came out because it was a big thing when they were launching that show. They did a promo video before it launched mm-hmm. that was like a long commercial where they were introducing the cast. I but it was all done that, yeah. with like it was all done with like an epic voice guy kind of trailer right. thing to it describing each character. Because I just remember yeah, them talking remember, about LeVar Burton's done. character. It was, it was Don's to, voice. Yeah, it was like Lieutenant LaForge. Yeah. Lieutenant Jordy LaForge. I remember that commercial. Yes, I remember his, I was, his voice was what snapped to me because every time I heard Don's was it, was voice, it I was instantly, it? yeah, it was totally Don LaFontaine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I got to track that down somewhere. Because he had a, he was doing a lot of TV back then too, not just movies and movie trailers. See, I, I, he did a ton I, I of love, local I LA TV and stuff. Great character. Jordy LaForge is awesome, yeah, but he's never been that awesome. Yeah. <laughs> LeVar Burton. <laughs> I'm going to have to attract that down now. Somebody's got it somewhere. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm 90% sure that was Don's voice. Because I remember that, him doing a lot sound, of promos. That, that is the way it sounds in my head, so you're probably Anytime right, they yeah. did a trailer voice, it was almost all, it was either Don or Pedro Rodriguez. Yeah. Because uh, it was like, in space, 
no one can hear you scream. This summer, the B word is back. You know that guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that we're only the... 10 minutes into this podcast and we have already completely derailed it. Yep, with nerd there you talk. go. That's the way this is supposed <laughs> to work. <laughs> Now, uh, getting back to the, uh, the the watching cartoons thing as a kid, uh, just because it is the other question, I always ask my guests, did you have a Saturday morning cereal? Like, a, was there a, a, a routine for you? Uh, I didn't. We, we were pretty poor growing up. If we got a brand name cereal, I was I was ecstatic. But usually if it was brand name, it was like Rice Krispies. Uh, <laughs> or it was like, bleh. so we had to dump tons of sugar in it for it to be. But my grandmother, man, she had freaking Frosted Flakes. And all these years, I thought her cereal just tasted different because it was brand name cereal that i never got she was using soy milk that whole time and that was what it was it was like oh, all that time i was like oh this tastes weird it wasn't this this that's cereal that made cruelty. it yeah that's, oh it's oh. fine you know it's healthier for me she probably saw how fat i was getting i was like man i gotta do something to help this kid out He's she is lucky Frosted nobody called social services that's terrible she left me alone with mr rogers one time when he taught us how to make these little chocolate cool whip snacks uh-huh. I made one that was like 50 of those cookies with like a whole bucket full of Cool Whip. My grandmother was so mad. And she's like, I left you alone for 10 minutes. I was like, I was just making a big one. You know, <laughs> he made a little one. I made a huge one. It was chocolate covered graham crackers with Cool Whip in between. It's the greatest snack of all time. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. I miss you. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's going to be something sugary, Cool Whip has a surprisingly Mr. low Rogers amount of sugar in it. So. It's wholesome. He introduced me. The first taste was free. <laughs> Mr. Rogers is your sugar pusher. It's my, my sugar daddy. First taste is free. Can you say addict? I know you could. <laughs> so going back to your childhood, I know that you did a lot of character voices and impressions and things like that as you were growing up. When did you start to actually see this as something that could be a career versus just a, a weird thing that a fourth grader is doing? Well, it was it was more of a party trick than anything. It was more of a way to kind of de-escalate a bully situation or get out of trouble with a teacher or, you know, make people like me better. You know, it was always just kind of something that's like, oh, I felt this way a minute ago, but that's cool slash funny or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but I don't think I ever really thought it, it was a career thing until I was already in my teenage years when we started looking up who who the voice actors were because you know i mean we're talking about saturday morning cartoons back then they didn't they didn't credit anybody they give yeah. you they give you a list of actors <laughs> you just had to figure it out i assume <laughs> mel blank did every voice forever he was an immortal yeah, kind of <laughs> and i was like for for the longest time i thought jack angel was the voice of optimus prime and because it was his name was in the credits of transformers and yeah. then I, I heard him in dark forces the first one the cd-rom game with all the quick time videos oh yeah yeah great and game. i thought i was like that sounds a lot like optimus and then when i looked it up it was jack angel and so that my, my brain put those two pieces together and eventually we like my brother my older brother he's like eight years older than me he started working for a subsidiary of google called uh, odp back before google had because google didn't just have all this information it's not all ai there were thousands right. of people making these little tiny checks you know they would make so much money per hour or per per entry or whatever coming mm -hmm. up with information for people so when they search for stuff and so my brother was probably partially responsible for some of the early information about voice actors getting out there. In fact, he was one of the first people to find a picture of Lorenzo Music. The guy did not like his pictures being taken. The voice of yeah, Garfield. yeah. Um, so and Peter Bankman too, since we're you know Halloween, Ooh, Ghostbusters, you know, <laughs> cats and dogs living together. Lorenzo Music. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, he, he started putting this, all this information together and slowly the pieces started to come together. Oh, those aren't just characters. Those are people that came up with those voices and put those voices into the, the, the performances into that character. And we slowly started figuring out who did what. And I started feeling around, you know, I could, I, once I put a name with a voice, I didn't have a face yet for most of them. But when I, when I put a name with a voice, I could instantly tell, okay, Neil Ross did that one, that one, and that one. Greg Berger did that one and that one. Peter Cullen did that one and that one. You know, I could just like go through the list and figure out who did what. And I just started really paying attention to the voices that were out there and who was doing them and just kind of just captivated with the whole idea of just kind of impressions in general. And my brother started working towards, you know, he was wanting to be a voice actor as well. So he would find things like Pat Fraley's uh, audiobook on tape mm-hmm. at the time. I think it was actually a, a set, I think it was like four cassette tapes. <laughs> and now you could get it on like MP3 for, for just a download. But, you know, <laughs> back then you had to buy a whole package deal and make, wait for it to come in the mail. Oh, but yeah, I basically been teaching me- for a long time. So that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, well, he's been doing it since the voice of Krang. You know, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I it love was that. like, uh, it was like. My eye opening for me because it was a how to create uh, how to create character voices mm-hmm. and just all the different ways of thinking outside of the box with my own voice and kind of like that was kind of the moment I realized that your voice is an instrument kind of like what D Bradley Baker does but not nearly to the extreme that he's capable of doing it but I started realizing if I just memorized and played around with and just got used to my every single facet of my instrument every part of it I could get good at that you know there's a potential to do something with this at some point but i still was kind of like a it was a pipe dream for me more than anything else but i was extremely intrigued with it just the information side of things and i started finding out more than just it, st- it started with interest in voice in, in cartoon voices but then it branched out to the voices in movie trailers and the voices you know just every, anything that had a voice in it i was just always fascinated with sound and the human voice i remember i would get uh the uh, coloring books or the storybooks from the old Transformers stuff back in the 80s with all the really bad, you know, artwork that was like half the characters are the wrong color and Optimus Prime yeah. has a mouth on it and something weird. <laughs> but I would I would I would get my Fisher Price tape recorder and do the voices from the lines in the book and create an audio version of the story. And then oh, play wow. It, and then play it back because um, I would I would record I, rec- I remember recording the audio from the credits of Transformers with my tape player and then using my dad's stereo to like combine two layers of audio where I could have the audio from the Transformers playing and my voices, and then I could act it out with the toys, you know? So that was my, my own way of like recreating the TV show. It was very, it was like social media before it was, I was able to even post anything. I was literally making content. I'm not sure if your parents would have seen that as industrious or a warning sign. Like that's, I don't know. I thought it was pretty clever. You know, he's like, it's a little concerning. It's so clever. Like, oh man, if this kid didn't have their heads disembodied and their bodies hanging upside down and and upside down crucifixes or anything. It's not a Cybertronian pentagram. This episode is tells people to burn things. Exactly. <laughs> All humans must die, child. <laughs> AI is coming. We shall rise. Transformers rise of the beast. <laughs> 666. <laughs> this is a totally different movie now. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing enough spinoffs of the franchise. That could come up at some point. Probably. Optimus versus Satan. I mean, that's one of my. Fa- I'm just. This is a total sidetrack. But one of my. Fa- I, I normally don't. Oh, we don't normally do that on this kind of yeah, podcast. We never go. We never get sidetracked. Um, but speaking speaking of the devil, um, there was the. I, I I used to be fascinated with the with the bonus content and the audio stuff and all the stuff on DVDs when they first came out because it was like all this extra behind the scenes production, the bloopers and and I was just fascinated by it. And they had this, they had this making of, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the one where, and End of Days, it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. So End of yeah. Days is Arnold versus the devil, basically. It is. And, uh, 
And then he's he's being interviewed. So this is a behind the scenes video. And it was the funniest thing because you remember my fascination with voices. And I thought I'd heard Arnold say everything until I heard him say it. But he was like, all right, they pitched me the idea of this movie. All right. And they're like, listen, what about you versus the devil? <laughs> said devil. I must have rewound it like 50 times. The devil, the devil, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's oh, that's great. I'm going to have to go check that out. Just devil. <laughs> it's worth one word. Yeah. Although I'm going to find out these tables, <laughs> the demons and the tables. I've never heard him say that word before, but in that <laughs> accent, I laughed so much. I mean, I was crying. I, I bet I think I might have peed myself a little bit because I just could not stop <laughs> listening to him saying that one phrase. I wanted that to be my ringtone. <laughs> devil. Exactly. Devil. You know, you know, a crazy ex calls you up. He's like, the devil, the devil. <laughs> this is our ringtone now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, obviously, we've already, you know, completely gone off the tracks, and that's totally fine, <laughs> uh, which is good because that was kind of my plan here anyways. Normally, I bring, bring people on to this podcast to, you know, talk about their career and VO tips and things. Talk I figured this career. would just be a good chance for you to finally This is unload. what we do when people don't have any careers. We just chit-chat <laughs> about bullcrap so you forget that we haven't worked a lot. <laughs> I figured this was just a good chance for you to finally unload about Ryan Reynolds. That's because, true. Well, it's I not mean, the first time Ryan Reynolds unloaded something. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like I have to tell the people at home who are listening because it's just audio. I didn't tell John that this was just audio. So when so he I came on like here... <laughs> Full costume. He's in a full well, Ryan Reynolds full. costume. I, 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 I was wearing pants. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was not naked from that. They were not the. Uh, they were not the movie accurate pants. So it was only. It was only free guy from the waist up. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna Hollywood it for you. Camera and John is in a full like free guy outfit. With a whole the hat. Yeah, the, the hat, the glasses, and everything else. The Casio and then we're just watch. We're sitting here shooting the shit, and he's like, eventually, he's like, "Hey, can we? How long is this? Can we start recording? Because this is so hot." <laughs> well, the jacket's a real. It's not a cosplay jacket. It's a real freaking jacket, and it's lined with like that really extra. Like you could tell that they live in New York because this thing is not made for Los Angeles. <laughs> Poor John is sweating off his yeah, last three like pounds, and I'm like, "Oh, by the way, we're not recording on video. You don't need to do any of it's this." It's like a sauna in here. <laughs> it's a good thing I wore my brown pants. Well, you went. You said you went to so much trouble to put that thing together. I mean, like, trouble, it was man. it was legit. Like the only was, trouble I had was like, as I hadn't tied the tie yet, I'd only bought it. But yeah, you saved me a few seconds from tying it later. It's fine. <laughs> well, I was talking about you. Like you, you went screen ready. Like like you, you got it's like true. the exact shirt and everything. Oh yeah, no, I I, I took cosplay seriously uh, during the pandemic because I realized that I was sitting on a gold mine of content and I just didn't realize it. You know, because here's the thing: I I know a ton of cosplayers. I've always been supportive of the cosplay community. I think it's so much fun that you don't have to just wait till once a year at October to put a costume on as a grown up, and I think that's awesome. And it's something you can do with your kids. I've had a ton of fun doing Spider Man with them, and like I was Tony Stark, and one kid was Spider Man, another kid was you know another character, and I was like, this is this is freaking fun, you know. And I found a way to make it productive too, where I can make content for it and put it out on the socials, and people don't forget I exist, and they're like, oh, that guy's cool, that's cool, that's an because it, it adds an extra layer to it. It's not just a guy with a microphone going, and here's the voice of SpongeBob, and you know, it's just like, yeah, on, anybody can do that or at least try to do it. It takes a whole nother. And originally, by the way, I, I had the I mean, genius idea of like changing outfits for every single character in a video. Do you know how long that freaking took to cosplay every character I did the voices <laughs> for? So I was like, well, there's got to be easier way than this. So and then I had the idea 
just to have the same outfit on and then use this app that I use for deep fakes to just change the face and voice. So then it becomes a bunch of different celebrities in the same outfit, all auditioning for the same character. And like, then I think I have a thing now. So now I don't have to spend 16 hours changing clothes for 30 seconds of, you know, Sylvester Stallone going, hey, oh, I'm going to be a Loki over here. You know, like I can, I can just wear the Loki outfit and just put Sly's face on it or something. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, and it became a way because I, I, I lost some money during the pandemic. I'm sure a lot of other people did. Um, I had got this really cool uh, gig with uh, WWE backstage where I was doing the voice every week. It was a good ongoing weekly gig, too. And because they couldn't get their actors in studio anymore, they don't need me anymore. And then when they brought it back, they didn't bring me back with it. So I was like, all right, well, I don't have money. <laughs> so, But I already have clothes and I have a, a tub of prop stuff. You know, I used to raid the, the Spirit Halloweens after things, after Halloween when everything goes like 75% off. Just in case they got some yeah. stuff I might could use at some point. And no way you save a little bit of money. So I started realizing, well, this is the same color. And in my brain, it started working the way that all the Arkham games work. You know what I mean? Like once you unlock a certain thing, you get a new skin. So it's the same character. It's just a different skin. So as long as I kept the same colors and I'm doing the voice, people were like, oh, I get it. You know, because that's all you really need them to do is to get it. So I just started kind of working with what I already had. You know, there's multiple characters that wear blue jeans. I only need one pair of blue jeans. I already have a pair of blue jeans. Some characters have a Joker wears purple. I happen to have a purple shirt. I found a green tie at Goodwill for two bucks. Cosplay com- complete, you know, or vice versa. Just It's just all about swapping out the colors of the clothes you have. But I started thinking outside of the box while literally working within a box because <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck here at home. Uh, and yeah, it, it became a fun way to grow uh, my social media, which led to me getting more that literally brings me back full circle to where you started that I believe firmly that that's the reason why I got the job doing Ryan Reynolds thing, not the voice work. Cause I was already doing that, but I don't think he would have, I don't think maximum effort ever would have reached out had I not been doing so much uh, Ryan outfit slash voice stuff on social media, because I may have been, I don't have any proof of this, but I think I was one of the first people that was doing a Ryan Reynolds impression online. And yeah. a lot of people didn't even start until I did it. And they're like, Oh, I see what he's doing there because that's what impressionists do. They like find the thing that they, the yeah. they try to unlock it, and so they they can do it themselves. Um, but yeah, so I, I it it became a way to make content and a way to just do something fun with my kids and a way for me to get my mind off the fact that we're locked inside this house while there's a virus killing everybody. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> there you go. Full, full circle. Well, it really gave you. I mean, it gave you all this extra time to focus on building out that content, like you said. Which that is something that you've been very, very good at is building a social media presence and thinking outside the booth. You know, thinking outside you of have this, to. It's the a, job that they hire you to do, and building yourself as a brand. It's a, it's a, it's a two edged sword. It, it's it takes a ton of your time, and you're not making any next to no money from it. But you are growing a brand, you're getting yourself more out there, and eventually blue check marks will see things, or word of mouth will get around, or you'll book something because of it, and people are like, oh man, we saw your stuff. And, th- and that's happened so many times. People have kept contacting me, and I'll put them through to my manager, and it'll lead to like legit jobs, not just like, oh, we're a huge fan, we saw this thing, we got 100 bucks, you can do a voice for my kids' bar mitzvah. It's, it's like, no, we actually are a company, and we're looking for this, and we have an idea, we're looking for 15 spots, we've got two grand a spot. And I'm like, holy, you know, that all happened because of a social media video I made. You just, you never know. And wow. it's the same thing that I've been preaching to people who do this particular career since YouTube first came on. Instead of just putting one freaking worm into water on the end of your line, why not get as many in there as you can? It, get, it increases your chance of catching something. Even if yeah. it's not a big fish, a little, ki- a little fish can catch an even bigger fish. So just do anything you can out there. Just find the top apps 
that are out there that people use. In my opinion, it's still YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's like the top four. But find the biggest things out there or, or whatever you can manage to keep up with because a lot of apps are just for resharing stuff that you make. So kind of focus on one or two, use the other ones to share and kind of grow a centralized brand around what you do best. And my thing happens to be comedy mixed with voice work. And I just try to find ways to make that work. And I try to collaborate with other people, which is a big part of it. A lot of people are trying to do it all by themselves, either out of pride, they don't reach out or because they're like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to share. They're, they're all happy when somebody wants to share their stuff, but they don't want to yeah. help somebody else. And it's, it's literally a ladder. You have to have people help you climb up. You have to get in good with other content creators that are bigger than you are and show you, oh, look, this is what I do and look how good I do it. And then they're like, oh man, we, we can come up with something. And then you have people with millions of followers giving you a hand when you only have a few hundred thousand followers and you just kind of slowly work your way up the ladder. And eventually you make some really great friends. I mean, I became friends with Frank Caliendo through TikTok. How does that even happen? This is the world we, this is the world we live in. Like we're, we're, we're like hang out in person and talk on the phone all the time. Always making fun of me, calling me his arch nemesis. It's <laughs> well, amazing. You know, we, we think of, it's funny because we think of, of social media as a place that we have to project a certain image yeah. and that that's all it's for. It's, it's, that's a different thing. It's not who I really am, but it can be who you really are. And well, you can I use it streaming has added your to real that. life. I think live streaming has helped with that part specifically because yeah. it became, it, it became to a place to draw the line between creator and, and, and the person behind the creation. You know what I mean? So uh, everything you see posted, most likely, if it's not somebody that's a smaller creator or just popular because of their looks or whatever, or they're already <laughs> famous, you know, because Will Smith can literally just barf into a bag and it'll get 6 million views. Or Ryan Reynolds can, <laughs> you know, sing a five seconds of a song and it gets 340 million views. Yeah. But for, for most people, like you're seeing the polished work that they put together that probably took them a long time to post. In their stream, you see them as the person who made it and you find out more about them and what they're really right. like and their interests and their dislikes and likes and things that you might have in common things. You may like, well, maybe I don't need to support this person if they're sacrificing children. You know, it's <laughs> a lot of information to be found out there. Uh, so like live streaming has been incorporated now into Instagram and into TikTok and into Twitter now even. So it's yeah. like that, that has kind of created a bridge between that's an unattainable celebrity person that I can't even, to communicate with to, oh, that's a real human being. And we actually like some of the same stuff. And I think that actually helps grow your audience as well, because they're not, they don't have to wait around hoping that your, their comment gets seen. They're actually interacting live in the chat. Oh, and as long as, they, as long as yeah. they play cool, it gives them a little peek at who that person really is overall. And then they can decide right. that's where you make hardcore fans. You, you, yeah. you can get casual fans all day. You can get views all day long, but the people that are going to like, and constantly comment and share and always be there for every single thing you post. Those are the ones that you take the time to respond to and be like, oh, hey, thanks for the follower, for the for the comment. And I, I let me answer your question, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that is an important thing that people have really started to discover more over the past two decades is that the more the more you can be personable and and connect with your audience on a personal level mm -hmm. and not just don't enable your audience to just consume the content passively like they used to do to actually have them consume content actively where they're a piece of it it allows them to take ownership of it mm -hmm. and when they have a sense of ownership over a brand or over a product or over a personality they become intertwined with it to where they will follow it to 
to the ends of the yeah, earth. Yeah, they'll literally just, you know, <laughs> they'll lemming right off the edge of the cliff for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast I'm not trying to before, manipulate but... anybody. I'm just saying that's how you build <laughs> fans that are that dedicated to you. And as long as you treat them kindly and you yeah. try to give everybody, and I'm not saying that you should take all of your free time and share it with all your fans because some of the people out there no, you that even on this podcast, they just don't, they don't have the freaking time. They probably got people managing their social media for them. Sure. But Ryan Reynolds doesn't always, sometimes he does his own socials. Believe it or not, folks, he really is doing some of his own stuff. He doesn't have some paid intern doing everything for him. Uh, I sent a thing to him about my son. I was trying to explain to my son why I had to go to New York for three days. And I was like, I'm working with, oh crap, you don't know anything he's made. (laughs) So I was like, I'm working with Turbo the Snail from one one of his favorite movies, DreamWorks Turbo. Uh, And he was the voice of Turbo the Snail in that. Yeah. And he's like, you're working with Turbo Snow? Can you tell him I said hi? I'm like, oh. I could have lied. You know, I could have been like, sure, I, tur- tur- I told Turbo said hi. He says, got to go faster. You know, uh, but I didn't. I just, I went to Ryan's and I was like, look, dear intern. <laughs> so I, did, I just assumed that it's going to be somebody. Else. But no, it was kind of like that. I was like, I don't know who, who manages it, but I, my, my, I really appreciated working with you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, by the way, my son, my autistic son, which he knew I had an autistic son or yeah. whoever run, runs his socials did. Um, wanted me to say hi to Turbo the Snail. There, I'm a good dad now. I was, that was literally it. Like, it was like, <laughs> I, I said the thing for my kid. Now I can sleep easy knowing that I didn't lie to him. And he sent a selfie video back directly from his account. So I know he's in charge of his own stuff. And that is above and beyond. That, and yeah. I literally cried because he's like, hey, Zach, Turbo the Snail. And I, I couldn't even bring myself to post it online because it felt too personal. It was just too nice of a thing. So there, there are people out there, even at the A-list level, that still take the time to be that good person for, for their fans and for their you know people that they work with. And it was really, really nice of them to do that. I, I try to do that as best I can with what time I have for all the people that follow me as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy, man. I've got, I got so many plates spinning, bro. <laughs> Starts to feel like Squid Games after a while. <laughs> wow. Wow. I... I gave you a chance to finally talk some shit about Ryan, and you blew it. Sorry, you man. Blew it. You you yes, continued nice. to you continued to press this fantasy well, like that Hugh he is Jackman. just a wonderful human being. <laughs> Damn it! Somebody has to break the shell. Hugh Jackman already did it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. You, you, it, it's it's almost unfair. I like to believe that if Ryan if Ryan's going to be that good looking and that talented and that funny, he's got to have a small penis. Otherwise, there's no God. He's like, way there has to be person. somewhere that it evens out. He was way uglier in person. He had a hump. <laughs> he had he had like crooked fingers. You know, he was like doing this. He was just doing this like <laughs> thing. Oh, no, he's, no, he's he was, awesome. He, he he did not. He didn't look as as quite as buff as I would have imagined. He would have been had he been been working on a film that required him to to bulk up some. So it was he was a little thinner than I thought that I would than you know I had imagined I guess. But I did make that joke. I, was like, I thought he'd be taller. He's like, yeah, I get that all the time. Well, <laughs> I it, could it, not do it, a Stanley it, reference. It did even out because uh, you know when they were doing all the promo for for a uh, free guy, uh, they did a Ryan Reynolds figure in Fortnite. He appeared in yes, the game. I remember. And uh, you could you could unlock an alternate version of him where he's shirtless and he looks like he like grew up on Eternia. Like there's just way <laughs> too many muscles. That must have been that was dude. That was definitely not guy. That was dude. <laughs> and by the way, hottest cosplay I've ever done. <laughs> next, next to King Shark. Uh, so one of the things I did with I'm going back to the cosplay thing, one of the things I did that I forgot to mention earlier, uh I I always was very body conscious and I was like, I don't want to be, and this is no offense to anybody else. I am obese. So you're just going to have to do that whole thing where obese, it's okay for obese people to say the the F word. Uh, I didn't want to be quote unquote fat. So-and-so, you know, Oh, that's fat Superman. That's fat. And that's what I've always gotten. That's fat such and such. And I'm like, I don't want to be fat. Can I just be Batman? I don't have, why do I got to be fat Batman? You know what I mean? So uh, I was like, well, maybe I could do this in a way where it's not just 
like, oh, I get who that character is and it looks great. That's also really cool and kind of funny at the same time. So I was trying to find this combination of, of outside of the box. So I came up with this idea of King Shark in a way that, that originally I was going to try to find a mask, do the whole latex thing, but the, the stuff was like ridiculously expensive. Like movie quality stuff was so bad because we were going to the premiere of Suicide Squad and I didn't know if James Gunn was going to be there. The cast was going to, I had no idea. Uh, but I knew it was a premiere and I knew a lot of big content people were going to be there as well. So I wanted to do an extra good job of it. So kind of bombing, b- bouncing ideas around with my friends. Somebody's like, well, what about an inflatable shark? And I'm like, that's a, not a bad idea. Because if I take an inflatable shark, so I, uh, a fan of mine found me a couple of suits on Amazon, sent them to me. And I realized that if I took the the suit, the fan to inflate it was above the waistline. So if I took the suit and cut the bottom half off, where it doesn't have a stupid tail sticking out or whatever. <laughs> and I put blue jeans on over it where it keeps the air sealed inside. Right. It'll inflate anyway because the belt will hold it shut. And then, so I tried it on. It was looked pretty fun. And then, I, but I bought them because Amazon was like, it was going to get there the day before the premiere. I was like, that's cutting it way too close. Just in case I need to come up with something different. So I went to a local place like Spirit Halloween and they had a pretty decent like Jaws shark mask. And so I got that. It's like, I'll put a gray shirt on with a suit. It'll be like King Shark dressed up or something. If, that'll be my backup just in case. Well, the thing comes in on time, actually gets there a couple of days early. And I'm playing, my son's playing around with the shark head and he's making it. He's like, you know, you can totally make this into a, like a giant puppet. And then my brain just clicked. I was like, I could make this thing work like Big Bird. If I put the, ha- the, the mask on top <laughs> and shove the head of the suit inside or work, you know, try to figure out where I can make it, the head complete with the rest of the body, I can put one arm up there to make him talk and look yeah. around. And the other arm can go in the other inflatable arm where I can move one arm and make him talk with the other. And the other arm stays inflated because it's an inflatable suit. Holy crap. It worked so freaking good. Nobody even knew it was me, man. I'm talking about huge creators who know who I am. And the whole time I stayed in character the, the entire time, you know, hand, <laughs> nom, nom, hello, new dumb friend. And nobody freaking knew it was even me. It even made it on a Suicide Squad's Instagram stories to bring it back to our social media content. But this is the why you do it because that gets your attention. James Gunn's talked to me on Twitter before and not in a negative way. Like, why don't you hire voice actors to do your famous characters instead of movie? No, I'm not going to do that because that's yeah. how you not, that's how you don't get hired by James Gunn. <laughs> so and no offense to anybody who wants to you know have that debate with him or whatever that's that's totally you know if you want to talk to him about it talk to him about it but i'm i'm still very young in this industry even though it's been almost 14 years since i started professionally and i'm just now breaking new ground in areas that i'm finally want always wanted to be in which is like animation and video games and stuff that's not just npcs no offense ryan um <laughs> and, you know and as a npc voice guy i totally appreciated free guy because it's like yeah we can help make your games better folks <laughs> I do feel like I have to make a quick disclaimer here uh, for everyone that's looking at becoming a voice actor. Um, this level of costuming is not required. You no, don't it have is to not. Go, you don't have you to go all Charles go Fleischer and show links. up in the rabbit suit for Roger Rabbit. Like, no, this is this is a little bit crazy. But that, that whole thing <laughs> cost me maybe 50 bucks total between the outfit and just kind of making it work myself. And uh, it was just a it was a cool way to create content, get more eyes on stuff. And grow my brand even bigger. And then people start, people see that they come to your thing and they're like, Oh, this guy's good. He does a lot of cool stuff. It's not just that because there's, there's two types of people. There's the type that does one thing really, really well. And they do it all the time better than everybody else does. Uh, and I'll use my buddy Evan as, as an example, not, uh, not Tom Cruise official is the number one Tom Cruise look like in the country. He's not the same guy that's in the videos. That's causing a stir on social media about <laughs> it's getting scary. Deep fake is going to take away actors job. This yeah. guy does. This guy is very clear about what he does. He's a com- he, he does com- comedy stuff. He does. He, he there's a there's a uh, uh, 
there's a watermark on the app that we both use for our deep fake stuff. So we're not trying to trick anybody or, you, you know, do anything that's, that's wrong with deep fake technology, but he does Tom Cruise perfectly. And that's his thing. Tom Cruise stuff, all Tom Cruise all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Swiss army knife. I don't want people getting, cause I, you know, myself, I get bored with the same thing over and over again. No offense, Evan. Um, <laughs> so I like to do things differently, but I try to kind of keep a theme going because of the way social media is laid out. I usually post like three things in a row or I post, you know, several blocks of the same stuff and then I move on to something else. But it's always like they see that one thing that may not have anything directly to do with my voiceover career, but that gets them in. And then that gets them in and that gets them seeing something else. And then they're, they're like, dude, have you seen this? And they'll share it with a certain person who knows somebody else. And eventually maximum efforts calling me to do a commercial. That's just how it works. And it, it does help. It is not required, like you said, but thinking outside of the box is definitely a requirement. And that's just one example that I wanted to give of how you can think outside of the box. Because like I said, my main two things, comedy and voice stuff. There's other people that are better at other things besides those two things. Maybe they're also a voice actor, but maybe they're better at music. Well, there's about 15 ideas I can give you right off the top of my head. Parody songs, doing, uh, singing songs in character voices that you're, that you're famous for or whatever. You know, there's, there's just, you can go down the list. You just have to be creative. I, I did an interview uh, a while back with uh, Darcy Rose Burns, who had just started doing musical comedy uh, when I had her originally. I remember Talk her. Funny, and that led to uh, she's doing a bunch of the songs for uh, Big Shot on Disney Plus. See, there you uh, go, straight from that. So yeah, you those, take those the type thing of skills and you combine really... it with what you want to do for for your career, and you sh- you put it out there, and eventually you will find an audience. Yeah, that's great. Now, I feel uh, like a lot enough voice actors talk about social media enough. No, it is no. kind of a necessary evil in this business. It it may feel like, oh, this is so much work. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, over half my stuff these days comes because directly because of the kind of stuff that I'm putting out there. Well, and I, I feel can, like there's a, there's a there's still a stigma against self-promotion. Like a lot of people come into this business thinking, well, eventually, you know, they're going to discover me and start talking about me. And then I could be the guy that sits discovered. back and goes, no, no, thank Put you. Put yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, self-promotion. It's shocking to me how many voice actors I will see that they'll, you know, be on a podcast or something like this and then not reshare it or talk yeah. about it or anything. Yeah. Because, well, I don't want to look like I'm promoting myself. Well, if you're not, no one yeah, else no is. Nobody else is. Your, your agent's not going to stand on the street corner with the bell going, hear ye, hear ye, hire John Bailey. You have to do some of that yourself. In fact, most of my agents usually just take the information from me that I got directly. Yeah. So, I mean, and you'll get that because you put yourself out there. And I even had to explain this to my tax guy after I got freaking hit with a soft audit, trying to explain how social media works because I'm, I am claiming some things that create to create content with on my taxes because- I need to, <laughs> Yeah, I need to make that stuff to get those jobs. And once I kind of explain, it's like, okay, let's just say I'm a nice Italian, a man. Here we go. I'm on the corner with my monkey and I play the music and the monkey dances and people throw the coins into the box. And that's how I make a little bit of money. But big top hat guy, Monopoly man comes back. I really like you playing monkey. I'm having a, a, a soiree at my super fancy mansion. I'll give you five whole dollars, you know? You you did all that. You might have made a few change, a little change here and there. But that big job that comes around happens because you're doing that little job. So any money that you put into the money to pay for the music to play for the monkey, to paying for the monkey, paying for the monkey's outfits, the travel cost it cost to get down there. You know, you have to d- deduct all that stuff, and then whatever money you made on top of that, that is your profit. And literally, it, it's a small amount of money. You cannot give up a voice acting career for a social media career, but it definitely improves. It, it's like getting a power up for your voiceover career. You it's marketing. I mean? It's it's all it marketing is because you're literally you're you're the newsboy on the corner trying to sell your newspaper. Because now our 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 industry is flooded with people, and all of them are very talented. But you can be smarter 
and you can be more prepared because here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to do something that's that's viral on social media and be like, oh, check me out. I do this cool thing with voices combined with this other cool thing. But you haven't done the classes. You haven't done coaching. You haven't gotten an agent yet. You're not, you're not fully prepared for the business. So when jobs come your way, they're going to be like, oh, we like your stuff. Let's talk. And then when they realize, wah, wah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so don't start doing that stuff out there. I mean, you, you, you do some because I feel like you could, with social media, you should start doing that. Yeah before you ever start getting into coaching and stuff, just be doing that anyway, because it takes a while to build an audience. So, I mean, but sometimes something will go viral very, very quickly. You don't know, but yeah. just, just always be doing what you can do in your voiceover career to be prepared for when that does come because well, of something you did online. In stand-up comedy, which is, you know, follows a very similar track. The way I always mm -hmm. told in my students is very simple. I said, don't be afraid of being seen too early. Do be afraid of selling yourself too early. Yeah. Cause it's two different things. If you're putting content out there, and, and the thing that always surprised me was that people didn't believe that if you put content out there and it's bad, they mm -hmm. won't remember it. But if you try to sell that bad content, that's where they'll remember it. And then that's mm -hmm. their first impression of you. So unless it's funny, bad, because I'm yeah, all for there, funny, bad. That's there is that. I've worked for a few of those folks. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're marketing an unfinished product if you do that. And exactly. it's very dangerous because that could actually hurt your career because you jumped the gun. But it doesn't and, mean don't put it out there. You could still yeah, put it, it out doesn't there mean that's don't part put of the it, I, I started doing YouTube in 2007 and just making funny content. And in fact, at the, at the time, it was a way for me to redub old Transformers cartoons and make my own little po po comedy parody stuff with it. Yeah. And I made a bunch of fake G.I. Joe PSAs and just, you know, just simple basic stuff. But I was putting stuff out there. And while I was working on becoming a, a professional voice actor people were slowly starting to call me Internet Prime because I was doing so much Optimus Prime work and it was like one of the best that they'd heard on, on anywhere other than the original. And people were constantly asking me, can you dub my fan thing and whatever. And I tried to be, you know, kind and considerate to folks and put stuff out there if I could, if I had time to do it. But it was something to, to get interest peak and show people what I was able to do, even while I was learning how the business works and actually be able to do it professionally. So yeah, you can, you can definitely make content before you're ready to put out there, but don't be like, I'm, you know, don't, don't put out the best, most viral content ever. Like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and you have no idea how any of the business works yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing I do want to chat with you about with that as an example, doing Optimus Prime and, and, you know, uh, doing things, people saying that you're, you know, almost you know, as good as Peter Cullen and that kind of thing. Um, you have done quite a bit of work in impressions and voice matching. Do you have any tips for how to go about doing that? Like, how do you, it's how do you an, man, take someone's voice and go, I want to replicate that? It's such a niche market that I didn't even know was there. Like I said, I always thought the impressions things was just an impression thing. And I've told people this a bajillion times. Impressions are awesome for social media content. They are not so great for professional voiceover work because right. you're doing impressions of people, like you said, Peter Cullen. He's already acting. He's already yeah. the voice of Optimus Prime. So they don't need another Optimus Prime. But in certain circumstances, they do. But I didn't know that at the time. I had to learn all that the hard way when somebody was like, hey, we need a sound-alike for something like a sound-alike. You mean an impression? Like, no, a sound-alike. So they, no, voice it, matching. It, it became different a totally tool. different thing. It became how close can you sound to this audio file or this person's voice where if we put your voice in there and in the middle of their voice, it's not where you're replacing the actor all the way through. 
and there's different types of work. I'll get to that in a second. But the main one that I get is usually they're replacing dialogue or adding dialogue and they have to sew it in there like a freaking surgeon and nobody can even know it was me. And I've done so many ADR jobs where I've just filled in for actors. And sometimes I don't even know who the actor is. They don't give you a lot of time to, to get ready for it. But as far as like getting into that job, I, I fell into it by accident. It wasn't even a thing I knew existed. My manager just happened to have an audition one day for a sound alike and they normally only do pr- promo and trailer stuff. And then be- until that point, they had never done any ADR and that kind of cracked the door a little bit for more of that type of work. And now that's become a huge chunk of my business. So uh, I don't know. That's There's not coaching for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's not there's not like a strategy business plan to get into ADR. It's just, it's just consider professional impression, impressions is all I can really. Well, what I'd like to know, know though is, is looking at the art side of it. You know, how do you go about breaking down a voice? What do you try to find in a voice to make it your own? Yeah, you're talking about finding the hooks. Yeah, I get it. So, um, so yeah, so most voices are just fairly standard, normal voices. There's nothing there to, you might be able to catch a bit of an accent. You could probably tell from, from mine, just when I get relaxed that, that I'm not exactly from, from LA, you know, my accent's got a little bit of Southern in it because I'm from Memphis. My Memphis accent is not so strong that you can tell that I've been doing this voice for a long, you know, my normal right. voice for a long time so it's like it's it's there but it's not strong you know and people unless you have a little something there to hold on to it's just it's very difficult uh and there's only been a few times where i was like there's just no way and i ended up getting it anyway <laughs> so uh and i'll give you a few of them with chris pratt and i was like oh, chris pratt's just he's just a guy he's just a guy with a voice it's just a guy's voice and it's not like you know Optimus Prime has their certain qualities. There's a pitch that you can get and there's the gravel and there, and there's the, there's all these little bits and pieces in my brain's like, okay, I know how to do that and that. But Chris Pratt's just sounds like, he just sounds kind of like me, just a regular guy. And I was like, okay, well, how do I reverse engineer this? And this has kind of been my thought process ever since I first figured that out and it happened with Chris Pratt's voice first. I was like, okay, so let's listen to it without, with just closing our eyes and just play the audio and listen and then think of any voice that you do that's close to what you hear. So I kind of worked my way from there. So when I listened to Chris Pratt's voice, just the audio file that they had sent, I heard a little bit of Owen Wilson in there. And because he had that kind of round sound, you know, in the certain areas. And, and if you take that West Coast accent away and you kind of give it a more Missouri sound to it and a little more Southern, kind of speed it up a little bit, make it sound a little more cocky, go up and down a little bit, pew, pew, bang, bang. And there you go. Hi, Chris Pratt. And people like, I got hired for three movies in a row. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a voice I could do until I reverse engineered <laughs> it from another voice. And the same, and I, I told Frank Caliendo this when we first met, that was actually our introduction um, in person, was I told him a story during a live, uh, a live stream of his on how... I got the voice or the job for Jeff Bridges and another one of those voices where I'm like, holy crap, that is such a distinct voice. And just, you just don't, my mind was just like, Ugh. <laughs> so, and I, again, I was like, okay, well, who does it sound like? And it was back when he was in his Western phase. You remember that when yeah. he did like eight yeah. movies in a row and True ever Grit since and True that, Grit, yeah. he did nothing but Southern voices for like eight, nine films in a row. And uh, so I was like, that sounds kind of like, not John Madden, but Frank Caliendo doing John Madden. It's not up here, you know, boom. It's the place where I went. You just had kind of a southern sound to it. You slow it down a little bit. You know, you got to put out these fires, you know, Sonny. You know, and that did Seventh Son. I did The Giver. Uh, you know, and you, you, you take away that accent, man, and you kind of give it that western coast sound man you're just like i'm just a dude looking for his rug man you know so and i was like that was kind of where 
I started with, oh, where's this place for hardware and ended up down here, you know? So I, I ended up making that into a thing. Oh, wow. Like stand up, whereas like, you know, voice morphing because you change from one voice to another. In fact, I, I've done that with other characters, too. I've noticed that if you take yeah. Patrick Stewart's voice and you drop it down right here and all of a sudden it's all right, all right. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, I, I noticed that because those are all different people, but you're one person. So you're like, how do you get from point A to point B in your own voice? So you find you find the commonalities in those voices inside yourself. And then you can kind of, uh, oh, okay. So if I do this that I do for this other voice, I can make it sound like this voice that I'm trying to do now. And that's usually it. And uh, the biggest part of it, though, is not the sound alike. The biggest part of it is the acting. And a lot of it, I keep hearing this over and over again when I go to the studio. I was like, well, we had a couple other guys that did a great job of the voice, but they could not act like him or they couldn't act, period. And it, and it's 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 more than just, just doing a happy Deadpool voice. I mean, that's, there's more to doing Ryan's voice than just sounding like Deadpool and doing that fancy S of his. Uh, there's, there's something because when he gets, when he gets serious and he has to talk about real things, he becomes an actor and a lot of people just don't hear it. And when I do that kind of stuff, people's minds get freaking blown because the director's like, holy crap, that sounded just like him doing the scene that we're doing right now. Yeah. And because of the pandemic, the way they even do ADR has changed. Like I'm doing ADR from home over Google Chrome through some magical new technology where I can still see the film and still see the director and still re they're recording my audio. I'm recording backup all over a freaking internet connection in my yeah. own studio. Well, I mean, that's where pretty much everything is getting recorded nowadays. There's so little that's actually bringing you into the studio anymore. Yeah. I mean, I did recently. I, I booked off and I, I can't talk about it, but I, I booked um, actually a couple, but one's a little bit bigger than the other. But one of the things on my bucket list was a theme park voice ride thing type you know deal. And I booked not one, but a couple and one of them's really big that I'm just really, really happy about. But I, I, I don't know when I'm going to be allowed to talk about Are it. Are you yet. the guy that's finally going to tell me how to buckle my seatbelts? No, it's, not, it's actually part. It's actually part <laughs> of the ride. Unfortunately, it's not the. Please secure your trams before going on the Disney. <laughs> you know, it's not that guy. Fasten <laughs> uh, your seatbelts, please. Set on a sesame towel before. Yes. Don't worry, Corey Burton. I'm not taking your job, but um, so. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was really psyched to do. But one of them is actually an animated thing that plays at the theme park, only at the theme park for oh, their cool. like their hotel thing. So that's that was a new one. But for me, that was like, oh, that's an animated job at least. Maybe I can get a clip of it for my demo or something. But you know, it's it's it was still for for any, I'd always wanted to do a voice for a ride. That's a pretty park. awesome. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you think about it. Yeah, it's it's those opportunities don't come along all that often. Yeah. And if you also take out how much of it is. The, the actors that were already doing whatever the original IP was yep. like, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Greg Griffin doing the, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the pirate, the, the pirate from, yeah. From, from Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. And boy, you get beyond that. There's not much. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, um, that's a small club, man. Only when they add a new ride really, or they change a ride like that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was, I, I wish, especially if I told you what park it is, you'd be like, holy crap. Um, cause I didn't it's, think that was going to happen for it. Usually you're going to be like the, the videos and the, you know, the hotel <laughs> rooms, like, like Stacey right, has yeah, that's, all the, the that's Disney what world one of stuff. Them is. And, exactly. But, yeah. But um, even, even that, there, it's it's very few people. Stacy's yeah. made a good living doing that stuff. But that so. gig came from the exact same thing. I was doing a sound alike. For, I was just doing scratch for the same character for other stuff. 
Yeah. And I think word of mouth just got around like, this guy doesn't just sound like him. He can actually act like him too. And I think it's a combination of skills because like when we did, we literally did the session for, for one of those jobs yesterday and I felt like things were going kind of bad at first. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm looking, they have everybody muted, but you can still see their faces on the screen. I see a lot of head shaking. No, you know, like, <laughs> like, oh crap, they're not digging this. And then I find like, I've always just kind of not worshiped, but like was really respected the script. And I keep feeling like, if I mess with, they're going to be mad. If I mess with the script, guys, I don't want to mess with the script. But I have all these funnier <laughs> ideas. And when I finally just like, you mind if I try an alt? And as soon as I did that, dude, that session went so good. They even, this never happens. They actually sent like, we worked with, with John Bla- Bailey and we could not be more impressed. Like he was the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But you don't, you don't usually get emails back that to your agent no, no. after a session like that. And I was like, they were like, wow, these guys are like big fans of you. <laughs> So I literally just kind of like, let me try and all. And I started doing things that the character would do instead of sticking to the script. All of a sudden they're adding new jokes and stuff. Like they're like, John, this is fantastic. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd done this. It's but, always <laughs> such a risky maneuver knowing when to break the rules. But because it's got you such never a great know payoff. when some writer's going to be like, no, mm-hmm. my, my, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> And God forbid you touch their precious. No, I'm just kidding. I, I try to be very respectful because it's not just the producer. It's not just the director. It's it's also the producer, director, writer. It's everybody. You have to try to be respectful. Yeah, you make everybody happy. In fact, I was I was doing a live shoot thing where I was just doing vocal work off to the side as a stand-in, and the script the script writer actually came up to me and was like, "What what did he ask? What did the director ask you to change?" <laughs> and he's like looking over my script, seeing what I'd written in. He's like, yeah, I really don't want to, I don't, I don't want to use this word. If I can, I'm like, you're not even going to be there for the voice session anyway. So you're not going to yeah. hear me doing any of this stuff. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I want to be respectful to you, but ultimately isn't the director the kind of the boss? Sorry. <laughs> if he wants me to say stuff or thingy instead of thing, I'm just going to do it what he wants me to do it. It is always funny that, you know, there's uh, in all different roles, not just voice acting, that there's so many people who, they look at a project and they think that it's it's them, that they are just going to drive this thing. And all of these are collaborative efforts. Yeah. All of them. I try There's, to never, ever forget that. I'm there to make, I'm there as one piece to make the project as best as possible. It's not yeah. all about me. Yeah. I remember getting in an argument in the, in the booth at one point, um, getting, getting interjected into the argument between the director <laughs> and the writer about whether oh. the terminology should be full course meal or four course meal. <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, well, I don't think that's a phrase. I've never heard that phrase. Four well, course? what about you? What about you, actor actor guy? Is that a phrase? <laughs> Five course meal is a phrase. I don't know about four. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, I'll take a four course meal if you're serving it. <laughs> I'm hungry right now. <laughs> well, listen, uh, before we wrap this up, John, uh, I do want to play a, a little game with you if you're up for All it. Right. I like to play games with my guests I want here. To play a game. <laughs> if it's Halloween, I'm going to probably lose an arm or something with the jigsaw <laughs> So, all right. The game that we- decides whether two voice actors live or die. <laughs> we are going to play a little game called Cold Reads. Minecraft. Uh, I mean, so- Minesweeper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the way this game is going to work is in Cold Reads, I'm going to send you a couple of scripts that you have never seen before. And it can be literally anything. The only thing I promise is that it's nothing offensive because we do try to keep this a somewhat family-friendly show. But I'm going to give you something and have you read it in a character voice. All right. uh, For the first time, having never gone into it before. Now, normally what I will do with this is I will ask people to pick one of their favorite characters that they've voiced or something like that. But because it is you, John, 
because it is the epic voice guy <laughs> and you are Mr. Honest Trailers, it's where everybody knows you from. I want to hear your trailer take on the script that I am about to have you read. So if you would please open script number one. Alrighty. And I'm not even going to introduce this. I think the people at home will know as soon as they hear your dulcet tones. I'm going to do you guys a favor. I'm going to, I'm going to show you the different genres of movie trailer voices within the script. Just so you know that there's different levels to trailers. So you'll see, let's, let's see if you guys can figure out what type of movie each one of these is. Elizabeth and Jessica Waitfield are identical twins at Sweet Valley High. They're both popular, smart, and gorgeous, but that's where the similarity ends. Elizabeth is friendly, outgoing, and sincere. Nothing like her twin. Snobbish and conniving, Jessica thinks the whole world revolves around her. Trouble is, most of the time, it does. Jessica always gets what she wants at school, with friends, and especially with boys. This time, Jessica's has her sights sets on Todd Wilkins, the handsome star of the basketball team, the one boy Elizabeth really likes. Now it's a game of double love, with Todd as first prize. Elizabeth doesn't want to lose him, but what Jessica wants, Jessica usually gets, even if it ends up hurting her sister. Meet the Wakefield twins, their guys, and the rest of the gang at Sweet Valley High. Rated R. I love it. <laughs> uh, I, that was great. I love that you went so uh, clean promo there at the end. Oh, that was that was beautiful. That was fantastic. Well, well nod man. to the great Mark Elliott. <laughs> Coming soon on Disney Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious! You know, I was supposed to be on some of those once. Oh, uh, well, it's yeah. In, in the commercial world, um, I I lost the same commercial three times. Uh, oh. it, it's a weird long story, but I lost this commercial that ended up being one of those Disney World commercials that would air from the would, magic on, in our on hearts. <laughs> In the beginning of every Disney DVD Here for we years. Go. Yeah, it was it was the I one did a few where of those uh, were like Sony, but I've never done one for Disney. I would well, this so wasn't voice. Disney. This was on camera. This was oh, years, this was many okay. years ago, and this was the uh, it, they used to do. Uh, you you know start the movie and they have a couple of trailers on it. But right, they would right. also have like a commercial for Disney World, and it was the commercial. Oh, where I remember the that. Kid, okay, yeah. The kid is capturing fireflies, and look, Daddy, it's Tinkerbell. That aired. They had that on on. Thousands of Disney movies. Oh, I was man. supposed to be the dad in that spot. Oh no! I lost that spot three times, and I was like, "That would have been so much money. I could have, I could have just lived the high life and I not remember had that. to go when into Dis- this voice yeah, gig." When Disney first started doing VHS, <laughs> they would do they would do advertisements for only Disney stuff, including yep. all the parks. Yep, it would have all that different stuff on it. Yeah, this was uh, the early days of DVDs. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's move on. I got one more script for okay. you, and let's uh, let's. Let's jump into this. And once again, I'm not even going to bother to introduce this because it's just so perfect. I I love this so much. Here we go. Take it away, John. Oh, wait, wait, am I, do, am I doing different script voices? Number two. This script number two. And different voice? Tackle it with whatever you want. <laughs> tackle it with whatever you want. Um, you know, there's 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 a couple of voices that I do that a lot, a lot of people know that, that people aren't doing impressions of. Ooh. So for your listening pressure, I'm going to do a little bit of Nick Nolte. Christy thinks the Babysitter's Club is a great idea. She and her friends Claudia, Stacy, and Marianne all love taking care of kids. The club will give them a chance to have lots of fun and make tons of money. But nobody counted on prank calls, uncontrollable two-year-olds, wild pets, and parents who don't always tell the truth 
And then there's Stacy, who's acted more and more mysterious. Having a babysitter's club isn't easy, but Christy and her friends aren't giving up until they get it right. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> you just destroyed the inner 14-year-old girl for, like, all of my listeners. <laughs> Up next on The Mandalorian Season 2. <laughs> three, three, I mean. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Uh, listen, before I let you go, John, any last words of advice for anybody out there who's uh, looking at becoming a voice actor and, and getting into the biz? Yeah, I just uh, like I said, always be trying to think outside the box. Don't let yourself get in the way. I know I hear people say that all the time, but it's very easy to get in your own head and feel like that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound perfect. I need to keep doing it over and over. Just let it happen naturally and, and entertain yourself while you're doing it because auditioning for the job is like 90% of the job. And if you're not having fun doing auditions and you're doing them wrong, once you start enjoying doing the auditions and be like, oh man, this is a great way for me to play and create a new, think of it as an, an audio D, NFT. You're creating a new digital entertainment piece for somebody to listen to. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be fun and feel real and something they can be like, oh, that feels like a real character, not somebody reading off of a page. Once you're able to do that and you start enjoying the auditioning process, you're going to book more and more and more. Nice, nice. Excellent advice. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, John. Yeah, thanks for and, having uh, me, bud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us out here with the same words I say every week. It's the same words my mom would always tell me when the Saturday morning cartoons had ended. The show's over. Go outside and play.